Hey everyone, this is Benny Grab. Welcome to Musicians on the Record. Hit it. Welcome to Musicians on the Record. I'm David Ward. You've heard the music. Now hear their story. This is the show where we bring you the musician's story. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're back with us, welcome back. If you're here for the first time, I want to say a special welcome and thanks for being here. And I would encourage you to consider the possibility of subscribing to the podcast. We'd love to have you with us. So many wonderful musicians' stories we've been able to cover and musicians that we've been able to talk to. We'd love to have you part of that. And today is no different. Very special guest on the show today, Benny Greb. It's just one of the most sensational drummers I've actually had a chance to interview, one of the best modern-day drummers. Uh, he's also an incredible clinician and author. From Germany, Benny Greb is on the show today. Benny, like a lot of folks, started drumming when he was about six years old, and it it shows. You can see that this guy has been drumming for a long time. He's put in his 10,000 hours and more. His latest album, Grebfruit 2, has become an instant classic, along with Grebfruit 1, made up of him singing a cappella and drumming. He plays with his band Moving Parts and teaches drumming internationally. His very, very cool book and DVD, he's got a bunch of them. One of them is The Language of Drumming, which is very special, and The Art and Science of Grooves. A very cool guy, one of the best modern-day drummers going today. Benny Greb is on the show. We'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening from in the world. Please let us know which musician story you'd most love to hear. You can subscribe to the audio podcast here. And if you want to watch these interviews, including the one with Benny, you can check that out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and they all live on our website at musiciansontherecord.com. Here's my time with Benny Grip. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad you are. Let's start a little bit with well, you, we were just talking a little bit. You've got moving parts coming up, and you've got a new, uh, you've got some new music coming out. That seems like the most timely thing. Let's start with that. What's happening with all of that? Right. So, um, moving parts is my my band. It's my home for my ideas, uh, where we tour with and work on stuff. It's uh, with two English gentlemen, uh, Mr. Chris Montague on guitar and uh, Chris Hargreaves on bass. And um, it's almost like an anti-Brexit uh, project, you could call it, <laughs> a European uh, uh, project. And um, so we're working on new stuff there. We just brought out a live album, uh, um, I think, at the beginning of the uh, the, the year. With um, But that was still with a, a keyboard player. Now we're with a bass player and guitarist and work on some new uh, juicy stuff and the newest thing though is the most up-to-date thing is as we speak there is a 
uh, pre-release out of my new solo record called Grapefruit 2. And, and that's the that's the basically uh, the sequel to uh, to uh, I, like 13 years ago. I, I basically started with doing my own like music writing and uh, and, and putting it into a solo uh, thing. And that was called Grapefruit. It was an a cappella, just me singing with me drumming. So a very egocentrical project. <laughs> But, but it was good for me because I was working so much as a sideman and I had all these weird ideas that I wanted to express. So I did that in in the solo album then. And didn't think much would happen with it, but it basically launched, if you can call it that way, like my solo career back then. And um, and I love the concept and it was always in my mind of like, you know how it's usually anyway when when you when you finished an album, you then know what you should have done almost. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. You learn so, lessons, right? Yeah, yeah and, and I and I would like to say that I that I grew a little bit as a composer and as a drummer, of course, over the last thirteen years, and um, so that came to it as well. Where I was like, oh, what I could have done with this uh, soundscape of like singing and and now with like being being a better producer and a better writer. Damn. Yeah. So I thought one day, like, oh man, I gotta do it again. I, I wanna do, I wanna really do grapefruit on steroids this time. <laughs> like, like, really see what I, where I can take this now. And so I did that uh, at the beginning of the year, end of last year. And I'm very, very proud of it. It's, uh, yeah, it's again an a cappella plus drums album. Uh, it has a very unique sound, but I'm super, super proud of it. Yeah, and where do you get the inspiration for that, Benny? What, how does that creativity come about for you? Uh, well, the, I always write. So I'm I can play piano and, and I, I use it as a compositional tool. But um, I realize sometimes that because my technique is not very great, um, I can press some chords. I can, uh, but but. Um, if I really have an idea on the spot and then I want to play it and arrange it in, in, a, uh, in a recording software or something, sometimes till I can play it exactly how I want it, I have forgot the idea. <laughs> so so of course, right? I realized I have to capture ideas quickly yes. and then kind of work on them and, and get them to the system. So I always, back in the day, I'm old, um, I... I had to call my answering machine and sang on my answering machine, like bass lines, melodies, whatever came up. That's great. Which usually was when I then came home and I was like, oh, I'm so popular. There are, there are so many messages on my... <laughs> there was just me singing. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, God. So, and most of those ideas um, I throw away, but some of them are good and then I can take them. So this, this was always my way of, of coming up with ideas and, and composing. Yeah. So when I made the first layouts back then, um, I then just sang the ideas to, to see how they, how, because it was just faster, to see whether they would work somehow. Mm-hmm. And then I took a step back and was like, I wanted to arrange this now for a band and think about which instruments should play this, but what if I like go like the full 90 yards or I don't know how you call it, but like this, like what if I really take this seriously and try to make this sound happen? So, so this was kind of the inspiration. So I have ideas all the time. I try to capture them and uh, at my first project and now for two, it ended up that I tried to make that really the defining sound of the album. Wow. 
really great. And do you play? So it's you on drums and acapella. Any other instruments, right. or that's it? Not on this one this time. No, there's yeah. really just singing and drums. It's fantastic. It's really great. You know, I've been lucky enough to um, interview a bunch of musicians so far on the show. A lot of drummers, because that's also what yeah. I play too. I find your drumming inspiring. A lot of people that I talk to mention you as one of the modern uh, day inspiring drummers, especially with your, the DVDs. Oh, you're welcome. The DVDs, the art and science of groove and the language of drumming. Um, Mm -hmm. where, how did those come about that you wanted to also, uh, teach? And I mean, these are pretty fantastic. They're, they're very well known. Mm-hmm. I mean, the language of drumming was basically first out of egoism, uh, solutions for problems that I faced. Um, a big problem that I had was that I, I had no overview. I had no knowledge of where I was, basically. And, um, and that was even before that was YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I was confused by uh, the amount of information uh, even before the internet, and and there were so many books and different systems. So I was like, okay, I gotta do the snare technique thing, and I gotta do independence thing, and I gotta do uh, different styles, and then I gotta do a coordination kind of thing, and then I gotta um, maybe work on this. And and it once then dawned on me when I when I. Um, practice some Indian uh, rhythm systems uh, that I got interested in at the end of my study. Um, I was like, wait, it's all one thing. <laughs> it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds very hippie-ish, but, but it's, um, I was like, wait, wait. If, if a book is halfway decently structured, it usually goes through like everything that can happen to you rhythmically, but usually you don't find out. And um, it's not the center of of most books to teach you kind of the the DNA behind it. It's usually just like do this, it will be fine. Right, like, it's good for you if you do that. Right. And um, so I was like, wow. But for me, it made a big, big difference to see like it's all the same. If you have this uh, this grid, this skeleton of this DNA of rhythm, you can use it to then go through rudiments, go through bass drum notes, to go through accents, to go through, I put those on the toms, and then I do that. And then by doing that, I automatically have a very elegant organization to step-by-step see where there are areas that I didn't work on, uh, where there are areas that, oh, I got that, oh, cool. And it really gave me a lot of peace and a lot of overview and structured everything very nicely. And, um, and then I realized, ah, cool. Um, it really helped a lot of my, my students. And so I field tested it on my guinea pig students and how to explain it better. And so after this inside approach of me getting it, I then tested like, okay, how can I explain it? Like Albert Einstein says, things should be made as simple as possible but not any simpler. So, <laughs> so, so how can I get it so it's really the real deal, but without all, in Germany we say schnickschnack, like the stuff that you don't need, right? So yeah. the, the, without all the um, stuff that makes it too complicated to really get the essence of it. And I saw great results, um, and I 
it's it's a system that works at first without no, reading notation. So I have the feedback of many teachers saying like I do that with kids, like with eight year old kids, and it works and they get it. And uh, and now it's um, yeah. And and then that still was my teaching tool and and my practicing tool. And then later when I uh, when I got more known, like in the German scene, uh, a guy named Rob Wallace uh, from Hudson Music. Um, uh, I think DCI, I know they already were Hudson Music back then, and they said, like, hey, do you want to make an educational product with you? Do you have anything? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm I'm a nerd regarding, like, documenting practice and, and journaling. And mm -hmm. so I know in the last 15 years what I practiced on what day, which tempo, and how I did. Wow. So I... So I have these books of like, uh, I, I document everything. So, so when Rob asked me like, "Hey, do you have everything?" I was like, "Yeah, look at that. <laughs> That's great." So then, and, and since then, it's it's I'm just super honored and happy that many people use it. And um, I just recently got an email that now over 600 drum schools in China use it as their main curriculum and. Uh, and a couple of universities, and it's just, um, yeah, it's yeah. How incredible is that, right? How incredible, you know. You, I think you are, and you're seen as a, a great teacher of the drums. I'd love to go back for a little bit to sort of hear more of your story of, you know, when you first were inspired and fell in love with the drums, and who were some of your teachers, right? Um. So I had a very sad childhood. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a great childhood, and great for me to find means uh, I went to school, went home, went into the basement, and um, played the drums, ate pizza, and watched Star Trek. That was that's pretty cool. <laughs> a, a great, a great nerdish uh, combination. Yeah, and. Um, I actually started to play the drums uh, when I was six, um, or I, I, I got a kind of a drum set uh, when I was six, and um, and then, but I didn't have lessons till I was twelve. So for for the first six years, I was just uh, playing, listening to records, and and trying to figure out uh, it by myself. What, and, were you, um, what were you playing back then? Then. Oh, I loved, I mean, there was this, you know, the 90s punk stuff was like fresh or like the, or, or the 80s, 90s, so like Green Day and, and, and stuff like the first Green Day album, Dookie. And, uh, but my brother had a great record collection, so I got exposed to, um, to James Brown, Tower of Power, um, of course, all the Sting stuff. I became obsessed with the police. Yes. Um, I'm an, uh, I'm one of the biggest Stuart Copeland fans ever. And, um, pretty good drum. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I tried to become Stuart Copeland for a while. Sure. I really was, was obsessed. Um, and I later actually got to work with him, but maybe we can talk about that later. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. But that, clo that closed the circle wonderfully. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, just, uh, my father listened to a lot of English bands, actually, like Queen and, uh, or American singer songwriters. Uh, Billy Joel, James Taylor, like all that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, so so I love that a little bit of jazz here and there. Mm -hmm. 
and then got introduced to a big band. So I had a punk band and a big band at the same time. Wow. So I was too loud for the one band and not loud enough for the other. And, uh, <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah, but that that was great. I never like looked at different styles so much, and I I was always like music was amazing. I, I love music and. And my parents loved music too. They weren't musicians themselves, really, but um, but uh, it's these little things, you know, when you walk down the streets and they see someone and think like, oh, there's a, there's someone playing, and so so it's something valuable. You know? they they instilled that, I think, a little bit, and um, yeah. So and, and when I was twelve, I then had um, a drum teacher that was more. I had a very standardish way of teaching, so like like this is bossa nova, this is da da da. This is a, there was always one fill to that, mm-hmm. and it, it gave my autodidactic chaos um, a lot of structure. But on the other side, it also felt a little bit. It felt very limiting, and I was like, huh? and maybe that inspired later this search for like. So I, I don't know, but. So, but, but he did, he did a great thing, which was at the end of our teacher student relationship, um, he was like, okay, I'm now, now we meet and I'm going to show you a couple of videos and say goodbye and blah, blah. And I was like, okay. So I went, he invited me home. And at first I was like, what am I doing here? You know, and then he showed a couple of pictures of his vacation. I was like, this is so weird. Like, I don't know what this, and then he, he, he threw in, I think, a VHS tape of uh, a Genesis live show. Wow. And I really loved that. Yeah. That was bad. really good. And, and then he threw in, and there was a black and white uh, recording of a guy doing something that I have never seen in my life. Like, all fuses started to burn through, and I was like, uh, like <laughs> probably something came out of my mouth. Uh, and, and then a couple of other drummers played with his big band, now in color, and they had suits on as well. And they, they and so it was the Buddy Rich Memorial Scholarship uh, VHS tape with Vinny Collegiate, Steve Gadd, yeah. Dave Beckel. Right. And my mind was properly blown. And that actually was the moment where I decided to, oh, okay, I don't understand anything, first of all. Right. <laughs> Second, but I love it. I absolutely love it, what was happening there. Yeah. Uh, so, and these two are very important because I understood that I really, really love it and I would like to have that, to be that, mm-hmm. to do something like that. Yeah. But second, I also understood I'm far away from, like, even understanding, like, what at all they're doing. And so these two were, like, very important guiding posts in the next uh, at least decade. Mm-hmm. To be like, I gotta practice, right. <laughs> work hard right. um, if I want to get even close to that point. And um, and then I studied music, and then it just all evolved from there. It was a great education. Um, uh, I moved to Hamburg, which is a very important uh, music city in Germany, maybe with Berlin, the two most important ones. And um, Hamburg has a great airport, so that makes it easy to sure, right. <laughs> Helpful, right? And it's where the Beatles played, right? It's where they... Right, they right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Star Club. Right, yeah. So when all of that was happening, you, you felt that spark uh, of the Buddy Rich Memorial uh, 
you know, that concert, all those incredible great drummers were. When you started practicing and learning and studying drums, what what started to crystallize as that dream for you? Where did you want music and drumming to go? Yeah. Um, I thought about that a lot recently because sometimes people ask me that and um to be quite at first I thought like it's a it's a stupid answer, but now I realize the beauty of it and it's this. I I didn't have any direction, but I wanted to be one of the guys. I wanted to be one of those guys. So so I always searched for like, oh but what is success? Like is it playing in a pop band? Is it playing in a no. I wanted to be a musician who is who, who can express himself properly. Uh, and look, the, the other thing that was so obvious back then, and then when I watched more, like especially in the jazz scene and, and like just incredible players, the, the really the word the word playing music becomes so apparent because they seem like they're just playing. Right. And they're out there, you know, they're playing with their friends and they're like, ah, you know, it's not, they're not working. They're not, uh, you know, it's, it's having a conversation. It's like, so, but underneath that, you feel like, oh, there, there's a lot of mastery. So I wanted to be one of those guys that, that, that was it. And then of course it got more defined by when I studied music, um, basically the note, the mindset was, in order to be a professional musician, you gotta play with big pop acts. Mm-hmm. So um, I, tr- I tried that, and um, but the funny thing is that uh, I found, like a lot of other projects that I found more close to my heart, I I usually then realized it didn't matter that much whether we play in front of many people or it, it really mattered whether I respect the people I, I work with. It mattered whether I love the music that we're doing, and uh, and then it felt like the right thing. And a lot of times I played in the studio for, for pop guys or like on a big tour, and everything was right. Everything was great, like the night liner and, and the food and the hotel, and everything was checked out, and I even had a roadie. Oh, my God. I, mean, I didn't have to set up my drums in myself. It was amazing. But it still felt like the wrong thing. So that was a second light bulb moment, a big one where I was like, hmm. So I, I, I wanna, I'd rather do the right, I'd rather do the right thing wrong or trying that than doing the wrong thing right. Yes. And especially in Western civilization, especially in Germany, it's so important to do things right, you know? Yeah. So we, we get a lot of pride about like, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing it properly, I'm doing it right. You know, it's like, it's very important. Sure. But the more more important question is whether you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so so that is a very important guiding force for me and, and, and uh, hopefully will remain that way. Well, and I think what a powerful, important lesson that you're talking about, Benny, of, you know, to thine own self be true, staying true to yourself of, you know, what might fit for somebody else is great, but if it's not feeling right, go for your dream and what you want. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Where, I mean, it, there's a lot of turning point moments that we're talking about that happened for you along the way. What was that moment that I've talked to other folks about where you felt like you got that big break, that things weren't as much of a struggle and things opened up and to get you where you are today? 
Right. Um, it's usually, um, I think the outside perception of these big breaks is usually very different from from the real experience of the person that, that goes through it. So the, the, the first difference is that usually from outside, people think it's steps. So they they have a certain picture of of their idol or, or, or their musician or, or, or a colleague or a friend, and then something happens, and then they adjust that picture and think, oh, but he actually has a very big car or like, like whatever it is. Yeah. No, or he actually plays with that guy, or I went to the concert. Like, but but from me, or, or for, it usually is is that or yeah. that. You know? right. So um, if, if someone sees me with a project or they, they, hear, they hear me play at a festival and they think, oh, actually it's not that bad. Or, like, or you know, then, then for them it's, it's a step. It's like, oh, the Modern Drama Festival made his career or, or this album made his career. Or, but for me, it, I, I was also almost as good like shortly before and then there was this. <laughs> Right. And then I was even better afterwards, but no one realized. And, and then I, the, the next thing. So for me, it's a constant. Uh, it's a constant thing on working on things. And um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for me, it was very important to to have the first um, to to play the first time with my own trio. Um, that was for me a, 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 an amazing thing. Um, I mean, of course, getting uh, getting the uh, the Adam Science Move DVD finished and out was was a big thing because I did it through that crowdfunding thing and I didn't know whether it's going to work out. And, and um, uh, but then, of course, there are many other things like the birth of my son and like surviving that. And then, of course, <laughs> of course, right? Yeah. All how, how old is your son now? Can I ask? He's five now. He's five. Does he play the drums or any instrument as well? Of course he does. Sure, yeah. of course, right? It's in the blood, right? Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, it's it's rare that it's that instant flash in the pan where somebody just boom. I mean, it's usually if that happens, there's ten years of hard work behind that. Uh, you know, yeah. when somebody gets you know. and very gradual little steps. Yes. Uh, but but on the outside, it's usually you see that one big step, and then it's like, ah okay. But um, it's not that dramatic, like. But it's sometimes great for reflection if someone says like, "Hey, man," I mean, because then it's I saw you a year ago and now that, and then you sometimes think like, mm, "Yeah, that's true." But um, but yeah, it's always small steps. Sure, sure. So can we can we uh, go back a little bit, full circle, to when you were talking about Stuart Copeland? Because it sounds like he was one of your idols as well. Oh, yeah. You know, like when people come up to you and say, geez, thanks so much for your music. Tell me a little bit about the story of how you got to be able to play with him. What, what happened? Well... Yeah, as I said, I, I I was fanatic about Stuart Copeland. I um I loved what he did with the police music, and um it, it was responsible to get me from punk to like more sophisticated stuff because he basically built that bridge for me because it had the energy, but it was more than three chords, and it was it was rhythmically more than backbeat, and and um it, but I. I I loved it because it had that intensity that that I wanted, and 
So um, I, I love that completely. And then I then I worked with a percussion group that is. I mean, Stuart Coleman is now a a composer for film score music and for like like a, a lot of that stuff. And um, and then I realized that uh, that a friend of mine who's in a was in a percussion ensemble there called Eltonal Percussion, um, and they are classical players, and they they do studio work for film scores and for orchestras, and so they come with their truck of like timpanis and all that. Oh, wow, that, that's the thing. Usually, as a drummer, you think, "Oh, I have so much equipment." But man, these guys like with the with the, <laughs> with the bells and yeah. the timpanis and right. the, the marimbas. Oh my God, that's a lot of so, gear. Yeah. Oh gosh! Horrible. <laughs> um, so, so they said like, oh, we have this project with um, with um, with uh, where we play. Was well, Tim Coleman booked us for this thing? And I'm like, oh my god! Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> so I think I geeked out so much that um, I just said like, I love the guy. It's amazing, and oh god, and so good for you, and awesome. And then some one of their guys uh, wasn't available. And then they were like, hey, Benny, so you're so crazy about that. Do you want to join us? And I said, yep. So I was a part of a, a recording that he produced, and it, it, he was there like playing some, some stuff for a, a project that he had. Mm. And, uh, yeah, since then, I, every once in a while, I mean every once in a while, I met him like two, three times since then, and he was always super nice. It, it was it's one of these things, like, I had that with Steve Gadd, too, or Steve Smith, or, like, whatever, where, where you're a fan of someone, and then you meet them, and maybe even become, like, friends, or at least colleagues, and sure. and then you find out, oh, they're super nice, and, and they're, and then you think, like, oh, you bet on the right horse, you know? Like, they're, they're good guys. All right, so can we also talk a little bit, Benny, about some of the challenges that you have had in building your career i mean you've done a lot of great stuff with the teaching and the dvds and and playing um and people see the the cool stuff but they don't always hear or see about the challenges and the lessons learned from those can we talk mm. about that don't have enough time for that I okay. mean, <laughs> maybe one maybe one <laughs> um i mean Okay, I mean, one challenge definitely is, um, or or what I what I realized is, um, when we talk about me growing up, uh, becoming a player, and and uh, and um, I thought, great, when when I'll be a musician, I will only play drums all the time. That's all I will do. I will never. And and now I sit in front of the computer uh, most of the time, but but. So I underestimated, or I thought I can get away with, um, like not focusing on like the 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 business stuff or the uh, even like basic stuff like accounting and and, and you know you know. So um, for me, when my mu musical career got better and better, I accepted more and more responsibility. And um, by that, I had to manage and, and process more incoming stuff. And 
And at first I didn't know what hit me because I was like, gosh, it's, and I almost felt like I'm personally, like all my, my like personal skills don't work anymore because if I make a promise to someone, then, then I, I keep it. And then I talk to that guy again and blah, blah, blah. But when, and actually when I started to move to Hamburg in 2000, that's when I got an email address. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the first time where I, where I had an email and, and then it slowly began to take off. And that, that certainly has changed the way that communication works, as you know. And, uh, and so I then found myself and I really had, had this light bulb moment where I was like, right, you, you now practice. Uh, uh, stickings and dynamics and sound and tuning and the composition for a while. Yeah. Now you really gotta, you know, keep up with the other stuff. So, so I, since then I'm, I'm obsessed with like new tricks and, and, and tips for like time management stuff and, uh, and, and all that kind of things. So I try to keep track of, especially when I'm, I'm, I'm less and less a sideman, more and I focus on my stuff. So usually I'm also managing, producing, organizing many of the things I, uh, that I do. So there, there are a couple of different, um, record contracts. There are, uh, endorsement, uh, deals. There are clinics that I do, drum camps that I do, books that I write, DVDs that I do, um, um, music that I write, books, uh, flights that have to be booked for my band, invoices that I have to pay for my, and maybe someone who's listening to this is like, oh, poor Benny, yeah, like, because it's all great stuff, don't get me wrong, it's all amazing, wonderful stuff, but, um, and then being a, a single dad, like, that gets gets on it too, so, sure. you know, I, I really have to, to, uh, to, I really had to and still have to, I think, um, to really have an eye on, on balance and, and keeping all those balls in the air and do it hopefully gracefully and, uh, and lovingly. Right. And I, I, I think this is such an important message and lesson for musicians or just people in general, but I can totally relate. Be an adult. Some days is hard. I just want to play the drums, bang on the drum all day. But there's business stuff to do and the balancing. What What's a, maybe a, a tip or trick that you've learned that has helped with your studying around the business stuff or balancing that might be helpful to somebody else? Mm, um, oh, there's a lot of things that I had to learn. Um, um, uh, I mean, the a lot does already the mindset that, and by the way, I'm writing a book about efficient practicing and time management for musicians right now. There so. you go. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, the basic realization is that you change the paradigm that we're in. In Western societies, usually the paradigm is that the most important resource is money. So you have tracking systems for money you keep up to date with your account you even get a receipt at the end of every month or like so so you have have tracking mechanisms and you you look according to that that changes your behavior so if you want to buy something very expensive you probably look on your account whether you have enough money or not and and if something goes away from your account and you didn't want that or buy that 
then you go to the bank and say like, wait, that. So now the the other uh, um, paradigm is that money is not the most important resource, but time is. For two main reasons. The first is we usually at the end of our lives find out we have less of it than we thought. The second is yeah. that um, once you spend your time, it never comes back. So, uh, so it is definitely more valuable. And if you invested money, spent money, if you have, if you manage your time well, you can make that money back. You know, you can earn that money back. So, um, but now is the question. Sometimes people say like, "Well, I've been busy a whole week or like the whole year. I really wanted to do this and that, but." I didn't. So they don't know where that time really went or they don't, they don't have a receipt like at the end of the month, like where that time really went. And, and, uh, so, so becoming more conscious of that you're doing the right thing or, or the thing that are valuable to you with your time and not spending it with distraction is, is a major, major thing. And, um, there are great techniques like time logging where you write down like, Every you make an alarm in your phone, and like for every after every hour, you write down what you did, and then after a week or ten days, you you look at it and think like, oh my god, I watched two hours TV a day. So if 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 you know in fourteen hours a week, you can learn a new language, you can become a bodybuilder, or you could you know. So there is. If, if you think about that, it's like, okay, I have a couple of things that I really want to get done and I really want to do, and I can't have them because my priorities seem to be uh, towards Netflix or towards whatever. And I'm not saying Netflix right. is bad, right. but, um, but it just has to be in line with your values. For me, it, when I did that the first time, I, um, I was on tour and I did my time logging and uh was very ashamed by it. I, like I, I was like, oh God, that's how I spend my time. Horrible. And I went home and I threw away my television, wow. <laughs> which turned me into a freak, but a very effective one. Right. Your drumming has improved because of it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, for, for everyone, these are different decisions, but um, um, I how you use your time and, and to take a look at that and to have a couple of rituals that, that ensure that you, that you trick yourself into doing the behaviors that really serve you. Um, yeah. So yeah, we could talk about that for hours, yeah. uh, but there's the time management again. We don't well, have that. Time. It's great. And I'll be looking forward to the book because uh, I think that would be helpful. And I love what you're saying because if you spend all your time making money, but you got no time to enjoy it. What's the point anyway, right? It's, right. Uh, doesn't matter. So, right. Speaking of the business uh, of music, can we talk a little bit about how you've seen the business of music change since your career began? Right. Um, I'm a weird generation in the sense that um, I had lessons with and played with many people that were under the old paradigm of we got to get an advance, we will get a record deal, um, they will send us on tour. And uh, and I played with Peter Wölder, for example, in, incredible guy, incredible guitar player who played with Billy Cobham for many years. And um, he told stories of uh, 
playing fusion music in a stadium full of people and like like Shikaria Electric Band and Billy Cobham and then like just so so many people there and um and then I realized when I in around 2000 a couple of record companies um got rid of a lot of staff and moved uh, some moved to Berlin and there there were a, a couple of changes happening but when I really kicked into gear and really worked with bands professionally I never really had the comfort of um everyone like people pay everything and they do it for you so you basically had to do it yourself and it was a super new thing back then people were you could see the white faces of the old musicians being like everything is changing like this. but but for me i i never re i never experienced it differently really um and now there is, but so that was an in-between time between mm -hmm. the record companies went down, but but YouTube wasn't already around. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so a lot has changed. To answer it shortly, yeah. a lot has. Well, in one of the ways that you are successful in your business, I mean, really good playing is good playing. And if it's good, it's going to get out there. And yours certainly is. You, Your drum camps are also part of your business model, too. People come from around the world to your drum camps. They're in Germany, correct? Right. So we have... Uh, the camps in Germany that always focus on a certain subject mainly. And then we have camps around the world that are the all-round camps. So I do one in New York every year uh, around March, um, uh, upstate New York, beautiful. And um, and I will do one in Italy this year, maybe Tokyo next year. So so there are sometimes camps like around the world. That I don't do very many of them, um, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to them always when when they happen and and uh, the 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 main uh, like the headquarter is there in germany yeah. where i found a beautiful location with beautiful bavarian food wow. and uh, <laughs> awesome excellent so get, give me a glimpse of sort of the day in the life or the week in a life if i'm coming to germany to uh one of your drum camps what happens uh first of all it it's long days, okay. so yeah, it's like eight o'clock or like uh, something like that. Like waking up, uh, having having breakfast together there, and then at nine we start, and it basically stops at maybe midnight or like yeah. like. Uh, so so um, in in Germany, as I said, it's it's um, they they're called sound hands and feet effective practicing. I have a camp on effective practicing, and every one of those. Um, uh, has has a certain focus. So for the sound camp, I wanted to to make a drum camp that you know is just a little more realistic and a little more uh, going deep than your usual um, camp experience. So what I did was um, at the sound camp, for example, I bring like more than twenty drums, mm -hmm. and everyone has to have a drum with new heads. And I sent them away, and they should tune them and come back. And then we listened to it, and we commented, and and uh, so we talk about tuning, and we talk about mics. I have my favorite sound engineer there. We record everyone. We compare mics, and we we move them and see what it changes, and and um, we talk about techniques. So everything that has to do with sound, really in depth, like from from A to Z. Um, we have something like that with effective practicing, where 
where we 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 really make sure that first of all we assess where everyone is so everyone has um, an analyzing tool to find out then what are the strengths what are the weaknesses because it blows my mind that usually tips are being given without a diagnosis before it's like going to the doctor and he's like ah Take that, and right. you're like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you don't know what's wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But it's actually getting worse. Right. <laughs> so, um, so we do a proper diagnosis in, in the beginning, and then we have we discuss about all the tools, and then the goal is that everyone leaves uh, the camp with a customized mm. uh, practice plan that a hundred percent will work, and and um, so yeah, and. Couple of other camps, but we have the time and move camp where Frank in on base comes. Everyone plays with him, which is basically what the uh, the art and science of groove DVD kind of came out of. Like these are the tools, uh, but it's again, it's it's then even more in depth when when it's face to face and and when we're really talking about it, listening to it, and, and working with it. So I love these camps. It's I mean, last time we had twenty five people from. 14 different countries. It's so amazing. it's amazing. It's, it's, I mean, that alone is just a beautiful thing sure. to, to have. Sure. Right. Uh, that's going on. Yeah. The power of music. I think the power of your music. So it sounds great. Incredibly immersive and all skill levels, Benny, from beginner to yeah. pro. Yeah. I mean, someone who, who sits on their desk and is like, hmm, I'm a guitarist, but I, I would like to, to try out drums. That's maybe not it. So, so you have, if you can, you have to play, be able to play a little bit. But I, I usually have the experience that people are, are much more careful than, so, so I try to encourage them because I had, I had very young kids there sometimes and, or sometimes guys who were in their sixties and, and, you know, and think like, Oh, I can't go to that Benny Graham guy. He will like uh, slaughter me. And, right. and they all had a great time. And, and, uh, so. Yeah, I would say all skill levels. Yeah, definitely. It's great. Yeah, and, and really the power of learning, right? Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, in your in your mind, when you're teaching somebody, what would be the top two or three things, whether a drummer or any musician, that you would recommend that they need to know as a musician? Okay, the three things that are important are the what you play so you are aware of and can control what you actually play the notes that you play the things that you play like all, all of that stuff that is usually what we think is all that matters right mm. but but you asked me for three things so i'm gonna make use of it so the what we play that has to be covered and usually people do that the second thing is the how you play that stuff. Um, that's the next level. So if you know your grooves and you know when to go to the crash, blah, 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 um, then how do you play it? With what sound? Uh, with um, how do you approach it? What do you think when, when you do that? How do you feel when you do that? What do you listen to? Um, so how do you play that? How do you interact with your musicians? Super, super important aspects. And... Um, uh, many many things in my drum camp, for example, are how subjects. That's why I can teach uh, very different levels because everyone can improve there. It, it doesn't matter which style or which level you're playing. So, and the third level is the why. 
why are you playing that fill there? That, which function does it have? Sometimes people think about like, oh, what should I play, right? But then if you say like, why do you want to play something here? Well, I don't know. There's a fill there. Okay, why is there a fill there? Yeah, because there's a, there's space. No, no. Why? Why is it? Ah, so it's a transition from this part to that part. Okay. How is the energy levels between those two parts? Well, it's from soft to a very loud part. Do that. And then they will play a fill that they never played before. And, and that fits wonderful in the context of the music. So if you know about the why and, and, and are sensible to that, if you think about the how, how you play it, and uh, focused on the what, um, that's usually all you have to do. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Great advice and even great advice for just folks who, you know, want to get to be where you were at. Great advice for up-and-coming musicians, just all of that. And I still have to practice that too, by the way. So I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I have to work on that too. Yeah. I mean, you are such a proficient musician and drummer. What are you still working on and practicing? Well, I just came back last week, actually, from uh, uh, from a Buddy Rich tribute show with a big band, uh, where I was allowed to play like the Buddy Rich charts with a big band. So. Um, that comes to mind because the answer to that question is I have it in, in, in two parts, basically. The one part is stuff that I have to prepare for upcoming things that I do. I have to keep current there because if I have crazy ideas that I want to try out and I work on them, and which is great. I love that. You know, you're like, oh, and many of my ideas come like that where I'm like, how would it be to blow air into the tom-tom? And then you <laughs> <laughs> so stupid things, but but that are so fun and and, yes. and can be used well. But if I only would do that, then I would not perform well in the gig. So I need to separate those two: the craziness and then the uh, delivering um, uh, on the performances. So so that kept me very busy. I realized that spread out in some technical problems that I had when like with the tempos that Buddy is playing and <laughs> right so, yeah. So I really had to work on that pretty pretty much. Uh, that was a big challenge. Yeah, it gave me a lot of opportunity to really go deep and and uh, find out again. So so that was another circle that closed for me because, as I told you, it was really uh, very inspiring and, a, and an important moment for me when I was exposed to that music. Yeah, so that kept me really busy the last uh, the last at least two months. Um, I'm writing new stuff for for moving parts. I try to. Uh, change my playing accordingly because we change our sound at the moment a little bit. Um, but I, I usually, what I practice again, is not that important usually then or for other people if, uh, then how I practice. So I, I try to really define it into three, uh, blocks. Um, I try to analyze what I need to do and then I practice with a timer and I really then, I turn off my phone. Sometimes people ask me, like, isn't that a great practicing tool? What apps do you use yeah. that help you? And it's, a, it's, an, it's an incredible tool uh, that helps you if you turn it off. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, um, it's so important to have. I, I don't know about you, but I need everything that I have available right. when I practice. I, 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 uh, I, I can't afford to right. think of like, oh, I have to buy cat food. You know, I, I need... So 
I use another trick that 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 is called um, leave your baggage at the door. What is that? Which is before I go into the practice room, I take a short moment standing there before I open the door to think like, what's on my mind right now? And usually there will be an inner voice like, oh, you have to do the do the email. And then, okay, and then I have a little piece of paper and I write it down. And then, oh, you have to buy the, okay. Oh, you have to answer to, yeah. Okay, and then I write it down and I place it in front of the door. Then I open the door and I go in. And I know, and my subconscious then can let go of the job of reminding me of that. And I'm much more effective in my practicing. I love that. That's great. I mean, but it's little things like this that are in this practicing book then, but I still have to think of it. And, and, and when might we expect it, Benny? As soon as possible. Okay. When it's done, <laughs> David. When it's done. <laughs> when it's perfect. That's right. That's right. I got it. I got it. You know, you've been really successful so far with your your drumming, your education, the drum camps, the recordings. If you could direct the scene, where do you want your music and career to go from here? In the very near future, um, I mean, it's it's almost like I answered that other question where it's like, it's not a big kind of step or like a big change, but I'm getting gradually. So what happened the last couple of years is I got gradually more and more clear of who I think I am as a as a as an artist, as a composer, as a drummer, mm-hmm. and it got more and more refined in a sense. And uh, there is less there is less confusion. There is a little bit more clarity, and um, that I think reflects in my playing and reflects in in the projects I do. Um, and I try that with moving parts now, um, where in the beginning it was kind of a mixture of my old solo stuff that I then played with the band as well, and then some old material. So so the band will become more like its own entity, so to speak. And um, so it's, yeah, I all want to make it clearer, more authentic, like as authentic as I can, as powerful and beautiful and, and good as I can. And um, I always realize a couple of things that I think need improving, and I just want to keep doing that. And so there is not really like, I mean, the main course corrections I think I've made in the last 10 years of like um, focusing more on my stuff, believing more in my own stuff. Because in the beginning, I thought like, I got to be a sideman that does my solo stuff on the side. Mm. Um, but my main job is a studio musician and playing for other people. But um, I, I think I made that shift now of being like, actually, it's, it's a lot of fun doing my stuff with, with my guys. And, and, um, so that will be more and more, I guess. And, um, yeah, yeah. that's really great. And it feels like you're being true to yourself. You're doing it your way. Uh, consummate professional, consummate teacher. And I think you, you have become one of those guys now, Benny. So thank you very much. Absolutely. (laughs) Benny Greb, thank you so much for being on musicians on the record. Big, big pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Benny Greb, for being on Musicians on the Record today. How cool is that guy? One of the best modern-day drummers from Germany. Just uh, his practice routine. Did you catch that? He can open up his notebook and take a, a look from 1982 or something like that and say what he was working on. That's just incredible. Grebfruit 2, The Language of Drumming, The Art and Science of Groove. Very cool discussion. Great to talk with Benny Greb today. If you are enjoying the interviews, thank you so much for being here. First of all, we'd ask you also to please consider being a roadie for the show and share them with someone that you know would love them too. We'd also love to hear from you wherever you're listening from in the world. You can leave a comment here on uh, iTunes below, and you can certainly connect with us at Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and our website at musiciansontherecord.com. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Until next time, I'm David Ward for Musicians on the Record. <laughs> <laughs>